everyone, and welcome to the Oklahoma Songwriters Podcast, where each week we find out just what makes our Oklahoma songwriters tick. If you've ever been interested in the process of how songs get written, or if you're a songwriter looking for tips and inspiration, then you are in the right place. I do one-on-one interviews with your favorite Oklahoma artists and dig into why and how they write their music. I'm your host, Jared Voluch, and I'm very, very happy you're here. Let's get started. All right. Welcome to the Oklahoma Songwriters Podcast. As always, I'm Jared Baluch, and today I am joined by local singer-songwriter Stacy Sanders. Or is it Saunders? No, it is Sanders. It is Sanders. Like Colonel. Look yes. at me go. <laughs> Heck yeah. Right out the gate. Um, so yeah, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Doing very well. Awesome, man. I want to thank you for... Uh, Having me up here, this is it's nice to get out of Norman, actually. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm glad you came to our our home in Enid, yes. Heck yeah. I've been needing to visit Enid for quite some time. Adam Miller talks about it all of the time. Um, and we had him on here not too long ago, and he just released his album um, not too long ago, like previous, like this last week. But uh, yeah, so we're here in Enid today. And so, uh, Stacy, tell us a little bit, just a little bit about yourself. How were uh, were you born here and raised and all that stuff? Like, one of my songs, "Government Issue," starts with the first line: "I was a Desert Strike baby, Ooh. conceived in 1964." So my dad was in Nam, and that's what that song's about. And I was born in Blackwell, and he, after he got a, um, after he kind of came back to the states, he became an army recruiter. So we moved around a lot. And uh, I spent some years in uh, California when I was a little kid, Los Angeles. Wanted to be a wanted to be a surfer. Oh yeah, with the with the Scooby Doo van, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I still kind of want to do that. <laughs> yeah. And um, moved to Oklahoma. Uh, had family here when I was 11 years old. So I consider myself an Okie. Yeah. Oh sure. Like yeah. So uh, did you? So you went to high school here? I did. I went to Enid High. And um, class of 83. Rock on. Yeah. <laughs> um, so when did you start playing music? When when did that spark get going? Um, when we lived in L.A., my mom said, um, look, you're either going to play sports or you're going to play an instrument. And I said, I want to play an instrument. And I chose guitar, took lessons. Like any other kid, kind of got bored with it, moved back to Oklahoma, didn't want to take lessons. Um, just taught myself some basics, you know, when I was in, in my early teens, um, started listening to a lot of vinyl back then, learned all my favorite songs, taught myself, um, that's, that's about the early years, you know, Right. uh, started writing a lot when I was probably in high school. I was the goofy kid that walked around carrying the guitar down the hall, you know, <laughs> and my teachers tolerated that. Some of them actually encouraged it. Um. But really didn't start writing seriously probably until I was um, 30 years old, something like that. Okay, awesome. Well, so you actually, you were one of the, uh, one of the last generation to really sit down and learn songs from the vinyl records themselves. Yeah, I, I, I was. I was always that kid, you know, lift the needle up, play it for 30 seconds, you know, put it back down, oh, learn this lick, learn that. No, no YouTube back then. Um, yeah, here's the thing. Um, when I was when I was young, and I, and I 
referenced Paul Simon, and I'll go ahead and get into that. Yeah. Probably when I was 22, he was one of my favorite songwriters, and I listened to him do an interview. And he talked about when he was really young, he, he kind of came to a bridge in his life songwriting-wise, and he took everything he had and he just threw it away. So I listened to that, and I had a binder full of songs that I'd written. They were pretty um, just juvenile in a songwriter sense, you know, right. uh, not, not well-developed. And I kept maybe three or four of those, and I took the rest of the binder, and I went out to the dumpster at my apartment complex, and I just threw it away. And I never looked back. And, um, but like I said, I kept three or four of those songs that I still play today, but they were written when I was, uh, you know, 19, 20, 21. Yeah. And, and definitely my, my songwriting maturity happened probably another 10 or 12 years later. Huh. That's really cool. I've, uh, well, I think we've all done something similar. I've, I've thrown away, uh. I threw away like the journal entries mm -hmm. from whenever I was a kid, just because I, I go back and look at it, and I'm just like, man, I didn't even, I didn't know how to really form a thought. Sure. <laughs> in reality. Yeah. Uh, but I definitely did that with some of my songs. There's a few that I remember writing that were really important to write at that age. Sure. But I'll never play them again. I don't even remember how they went, and I intentionally lost those lyrics. Yeah, and those have to be stepping stones too, I think, because without those, without those memories and those little, you know, and I might, I might have even kept a, a certain lyric or something and, and used it in a different song. Oh yeah. You know, years later, but, um, it, it, it does happen that you reach a maturity level where you just, and it's not just being tired of a song. It's just thinking it really wasn't that good to begin with, mm -hmm. you know, but, but that's just age speaking, you yeah. know, um, and your guitar playing, gets to be better after you get older, um, speaking from myself. Um, so uh, the song Government Issue that I mentioned earlier, uh, it took me 20 years to write a bridge to that thing. Wow. And uh, I really like it, but I didn't, I didn't want to uh, – uh, I didn't want to just throw something out there. And like we talked about pre-interview, about – not just settling for something. Yeah. You know, it was important for me to make that bridge really stand out. And now it's, it's really popular. It's, it's <laughs> for my fans, I say, you know, it's, it's, it's an important piece of work for me. That's awesome. Um, I, I have talked about it like many times on this podcast about how long songs have taken people. Uh, probably the longest one that I've had, took me about three years to mm -hmm. finish. Um, so I can't touch 20 years yet. <laughs> but I'm sure I'll, I'll have one that uh, is my demon for that long at some point. Um, but yeah, I, I developed the lyrics to a song or really just the first stanza mm -hmm. of uh, lyrics. And then over the next three years, I just had to kept, I kept seeing it but not knowing how to use it sure. and knowing that these lyrics were important enough to me that it had to be right. Mm -hmm. And I eventually finished that, but I only, I finished that within the last six months or something. Yeah. Um, I, I did that with a song that I wrote called Tijuana time. Hmm. Um, when I wrote that, it was a really hot day outside. I was sitting on my front porch and uh, I had a few glasses of wine <laughs> 
cheap wine. <laughs> so anyway, okay, it was the whole bottle. But that's yeah, that's where the song came from. Um, I was watching a neighbor across the street, and this thing just swelled so fast, and I ran inside, and I, I, I got my notebook and a pen, and I wrote that song in 30 minutes. And it's very wordy. It's very... It's very clever, but, um, you know, it only took 30 minutes to write, as opposed to some other tunes that, you know, you, you spend years writing, and then uh, you wonder if it's still good enough, you know? Yeah. I love that. Um, so you said you you started in an, um, you joined a blues band whenever you were about 21? I was probably 20, early 20s, yeah. Is that when you started to perform out in public? Right before that, I played a little bit solo, and I met met this harmonica player, and we formed a duo, and then we formed a band, and lasted a couple of years. It was a great maturing process for me because I was probably the least talented guy in the band. That's uh, yeah, that's the way to do it. Yeah, well, they were all ten, twelve years older than I was at the time. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but um, it was a great experience. I, I wouldn't trade that that memory for anything. Awesome. Uh. So yeah, you said um, you started writing when you're about 30 years old. Yeah, I started writing with what I would consider heartfelt, serious thoughts. You know. Okay. Yeah, that's what I'm. So I apologize. Yeah. No. 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 That's that's fine. Um, but a lot of things happened in my life, and a lot of crazy events that made me write some things down. Mm-hmm. Um, and. I, I finally got to a point that um, I, I decided these are the songs I want to keep. These are the songs I want to record. These are the songs I want to play out for everybody and hopefully, you know, make some new fans off, off my music. Awesome. Uh, one thing I definitely wanted to talk to you about is uh, when you start writing your music, I really... I was listening to your music on the way up here, Americana mm-hmm. Deluxe uh, mm-hmm. on Spotify. And when I was listening to it, I I told, I referenced this earlier to saying how much I enjoyed being able to hear the clarity and the dexterity uh, and the details of your actual playing oh, thanks, yeah. of the guitar. Um, it was very clean tone and your progressions aren't just a standard one, four, five. They're not like a, a, a cookie cutter kind of progression. Like I right. hear in a lot of popular music today. Um, and so I was wondering like, how did you kind of, what was the route for you to develop the writing, the just chord progression writing chops that you have, uh, which they're super interesting. And if you guys are, if anybody out there is a a true guitar player, like I think you'd be doing yourself a service to listen to these progressions because they really move well through the neck, uh, and they move well sonically. Yeah. I like playing different inversions of chords, you know, keep mm-hmm. things from becoming stagnant for myself and boring for myself. Um, I try not to write in the same key all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, just different chord formations uh, that are sonically pleasing, you know. Um, can I move forward to uh, Ali McGraw real quick? I want to oh, yeah, make a point on that because you mentioned that song uh, a while ago, pre-interview. So... I wrote this song called Allie McGraw. I wrote it on my lunch break (laughs) in Subway, a Subway sandwich shop. And uh, 
I I got home, I played it, and didn't like it, and I threw it away. And I think Kay got it out of the trash. She got the lyrics out of the trash, and she said, "Well, why don't you just turn this into a duet and change the pronouns here? Have a verse sung by you, and have a verse sung by a woman." And now it's one of the most requested songs that I've written. Um, and it, it's a good song. It's a fun little song, you know? Yeah, I really enjoyed it. Thanks. Wow. Okay, cool. So uh, and you mentioned this uh, too. Uh, we talked about the Eagles. Mm-hmm. Now they always, they had some really interesting chord progressions. Sure. And things like that. Where did you, uh, would you say you have like a deep knowledge on like chordal theory and things like that? Or is this just from raw experience of playing through all these kind of uh, interesting chord progressions as you grew up pl- being a guitar player? I would say the latter for sure because I didn't. I didn't really. There's still a lot of theory I don't understand. You know. Yeah. Um, oh yeah, myself included. But that. I kind of know what sounds good to me. Mm-hmm. You know, and I know what's exciting for me to play. Um. So yeah, I, I cut my teeth on guys like James Taylor. <laughs> that guy is a really underrated guitar player. Yeah. You know, um, I listened to a lot of Neil Young, which shows he's probably been my biggest influence um, guitar-wise and um, songwriting ability, too. I think he's a great, you know, he's he's really underrated with some of his lyrics. Right. Uh, what is, uh, what would be one of your go-to Neil Young tunes for somebody that was learning chords or, or like an interesting progression that you really loved? I would say, uh, and this is one of the songs Kay likes to hear me play, to hear me cover, Out on the Weekend uh, from the Harvest album. It's a pretty interesting song. Very cool. Um, now, you, you talked about this uh, in the answers to some of these questions, but so let's talk, like, what is the song, what is songwriting to you? Um, stress relief, celebration, a, 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 just a way to process life in general. Um well, it's it's a challenge, but I, I enjoy challenges. I enjoy puzzles and games, and I like um, again not just sitting down and writing a song with GC and D one, <laughs> one four five. You know, yeah. um, I like things that are interesting. Um, so it's a creative outlet for sure for me, um, and I'd rather just sit around and try to to come up with something that doesn't sound like the previous song that I wrote. Yeah, you know, I do happen to find myself writing in the same tempo a lot, which I kind of get tired of. But I think it's just a a comfort zone for me. Um, sometimes it's it's hard to write a really slow song or a really fast song, but and that falls under the it is what it is category. You know? Yeah, I that's something I've started to notice about myself. And try to uh, I try to fight against my tempos, sure. uh, making sure I change them. I wrote a a song that even now when we play it, it's it's perfect at the speed it's supposed to be at. Mm-hmm. But I always want to slow it down to mm-hmm. my natural rhythm uh, that I'm used to playing in. Right. Uh, very cool. So when did you? I know you 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 talked about Tuesday tunes or uh, or a songwriter circle that uh, you participate t- in. Tuesday night music club in, in Cushing. Yeah. Okay, awesome. How long have you been doing that? Um, maybe three or four years off and on, something like that. Very cool. Yeah. Okay. So uh, what have you, um, 
is that mostly what you've been playing in or uh, or how many you do a lot of solo shows i imagine yeah most of my shows are solo or i'll do a song swap with with a fellow songwriter that i've you know come across who i really enjoy their work awesome but uh it's been a while since i've sat and played with anybody live as far as a um you know out in public at a, at a venue it's, it's usually just myself uh, i haven't played in a band in a few years kind of miss that but you know it's just so much easier to play to play solo yeah if you can sing and play then you've got the ability to play and in oklahoma it's not necessarily the easiest to have a band all the time right and it, you know if i could have just one other player i think uh i think i'd like to sit around with a bass player mm-hmm. and and uh a bass player who could sing harmony, you know? I know a couple of guys like that here, but it's it's hard for us all to get on the same page, you know? We have different different things we're doing in life right now. But uh, the group Hot Tuna from from the 70s, was, uh, <laughs> Jack Cassidy was the bass player for Jefferson Airplane, and uh, uh, Jorma Kokonen, he was the uh, guitar player. And uh, they formed Hot Tuna, it was just the two of them. It was, you know, fabulous little... Bass and acoustic guitar duo. Man, if I could redo it, I would like. If I could be any other position in the band, it'd probably mm-hmm. be. I'd probably be a bass player. They seem to have the most fun. They actually get to sit back and not sit back, but they seem to actually get to enjoy the songs. Right, right. Um, they're like gravity for everything. They kind of they help hold everything down, but. They're also like the guy I always think of first. I can't remember his name, but he played. Uh, he's the bass player for Dave Matthews. Yeah, I can't remember his name. Either. Yeah, he, he just walks around on stage and he has like like he walks around like nobody's watching him. But come on, man, let's let's face it. He's a step above most other bass players too. <laughs> Everybody in that band was yeah. very talented. Yeah, they are mega. But yeah, the bass player they they tie the band together. Mm-hmm. You know, but that's cool. Yeah, I love watching that. Um, well, shoot. So is the, the song, the one more time, Tuesday songwriter circle, uh, Tuesday night music club, yeah. Tuesday night music yeah. club, um, out in Cushing. That's where you met, uh, <laughs> Mr. Jacob Lee for the first time, right? It was, yes. Yeah. It was, it was a fun experience meeting Jacob. Yeah. He's, a he's one of my favorite goofball weirdos I've ever, <laughs> ever met, um, and uh, yeah, I, I try to see him as often as I can. Um, so what? Uh, so let's talk about your 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 actual songwriting process. Mm-hmm. If we were, um, if you were sitting down and you had an idea, or if if you were sitting down to try and create something, what is what's your typical strategy for writing? I, I would say the first thing is uh, to use a notebook and a pen rather than type on an iPad because it's so much more personal. Mm-hmm. It's so much more you can, you can scratch out rather than go back and just delete words. And, and you, have, uh, you have your ideas in a more concrete form, you know, right there in front of you that you can go back and, and use or not use. Um, but I'm not one of these guys that sits around and says, okay, look, I have to get up and have coffee and it's 9 o'clock, I need to sit down and start writing because it's 9 o'clock, you know. Um, there's a lot of times I don't write for months, and I, 
that's just who I am. But it's, you know, I, I think my, my ability and just the way I write is, is better to just do something that's based off of an inspiration because it's a phrase that someone uttered or it's some event that happened. Uh, and it might just be one or two words that I hear on the news or read out of a book or have a conversation with someone. And then it comes out, you know, and, and, and yeah, I don't know if the lyrics come first or the melody comes first. It usually kind of comes at the same time, really. I get that. And then you kind of shake out the chord progression from there, or you do you sometimes have that chord progression and then you're, that's when your melody and stuff kind of form. You know, there, this is funny. Um, so my brother used to live in, in New Orleans and I had a really delicate chord progression that I had. Um, and I wrote it there, started writing it on his front porch. It was raining. It was really pretty. And, and it's a song I, I, I still play occasionally. And the song is, I'm not moving. But it's one of the few instances as a songwriter that I wrote the music for a long time. And I was sitting there on his porch playing and he come out and, and he finally said, bro, you're going to write some damn words to that thing. <laughs> and it took me probably a year later to write them, but that's one of the few times where I actually had the music before I had the words. Um, a lot of times I might have the lyrics first, you know, and then hmm. come up with a melody. We talked about this a little bit earlier. Um, you were talking about a, a popular-ish songwriter that does that did a song a day challenge um, and speaking on writing processes, you, you said here like, cause, and I've heard people, I've heard a, a lot of artists say that they write a song every day, mm -hmm. like as a, as a practice or sure. as an exercise, um, which I personally don't subscribe to that. I don't think that I could mm -hmm. um, with any real concrete results. Yeah, exactly for me too. Um, I'd be a mess if I tried to do that. You know, it would be, everything would be sound the same mm -hmm. for me. Um, it would, it would, a cookie cutter is a good way to explain it, you know. I mean, it would, it would just come out monotonous. There wouldn't be anything special coming from me if I, if I did that sort of, you know, okay, I'm going to the Brill building and I have a cubicle. I'm going to sit there. I'm going to write like Harry Nielsen or Carol King or something, you know. I, I couldn't do that. Yeah, uh, I feel like you wouldn't have any motivation after a while either. Sure, it it would be it would be quite boring for me to try to do something, and, and the work would show. Yeah, I will say one thing that has really been cool out of my own experience. The only the only extra twist I've ever thrown on songwriting uh, from my own passions was that uh, I created a way to where I write people's songs for them. Um, uh, we talked a little bit about, it. I do the wedding business stuff. Mm -hmm. And for some of those couples, they hire us to actually write the story of their, like how they met. Sure. And so that's been an interesting kind of thing to do. Have you ever done, um, have you ever written songs for like someone else? Not necessarily like they asked you to write like this experience, but you saw somebody else's experience and wrote a story for them or wrote their story for them? Actually, once I did it. And it's a song I really like. It's called Papatia. Um, Papatia is a, a, a Turkish word that means daisy. And yeah. I had a friend 
who was moving to Turkey to move in with his girlfriend. And he said, would you write a song for her? And I said, man, I, I don't know. You know <laughs> I, I don't know if I could do that. And it, it just kind of came out actually. And it has a nice little bossa nova feel and it's a love song. And it was for my friend Joseph. Um, so only that one time, mm-hmm. probably. Three times, Kay says. She's over here in the corner. <laughs> <laughs> Three times. <laughs> Would you like to chime in? What were the other two so- songs? <laughs> yeah, let us know. I'm sorry, I didn't hear you. Ah, uh, yeah, but those were, but those were, yeah, she said Prison Farm and, and Sharecropper's Sin, but they were based off of, they weren't necessarily for someone as much as they were ideas about that person's life or a story mm-hmm. that person told me, but it wasn't like, hey, can you write a song for me? Like Joseph came to me and asked for that, and that was really I felt like I was in an awkward position doing that because I'd never done that before, you know. Um, it came out well, though, although he's no longer with that woman, but that's okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, we all... <laughs> it's just all part of the grand story. <laughs> that's right. Oh, that's awesome. Um, so, well, since we're talking about kind of lyrical content and everything, sure. um, what's your lyrical writing process? Uh, for me, like, this is one of the most time-consuming consuming things that I do. Um, and you already said you come up kind of with lyrics and the melody mm-hmm. sort of sometimes uh, just together. Um, and on what you kind of answered, you had an asterisk about uh, something, Yellowknife. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Yellowknife. Um, I like writing ballads. I'm not very good at writing love songs. I've written two or three love songs. Mm-hmm. Um, Yellowknife was a, was inspired by, it's a rather long story, but I was in upstate New York and I met a Canadian and he was passing out these little hat pins and he was basically trying to drum up tourism for the city of Yellowknife. He had a friend who was on the Chamber of Commerce there and I never heard of this town, Canada. Mm. So I ended up writing a song about it, but I did some research because, you know, when you're going to write something that, that you want to be believable, make sure it's from either personal experience. And if it's not, <laughs> you know, make sure you've done your research to, to, to seem like you know what you're talking about. Yeah. Write what you know. Yeah, that helps. That's why I tell people, and you asked me this question earlier, uh, you know, as a songwriter, you, you have to travel. You have to experience new things. You know, you have to uh, embrace other cultures, foods, use all your senses, you know, and just incorporate those into learning and accepting new people. That's cool. Yeah, I agree completely. I And it's something that I didn't quite, I knew, it's, it's like one of those things you grow up knowing that that's what you should do, mm-hmm. but you don't know it until you actually go through it and you start doing that and seeing the the results in your own writing and your yeah. life. Yeah, as you know, as a small child, I mentioned being an army brat and I hated moving. I just really wanted to live in Southern California and grow up there. But uh, it made me who I 
who I've become. It's it's who I am because of that, and I wouldn't trade that experience for anything because it's it's really found its way into my songwriting ability too. All those memories I have a ch- as a child, and um, all the experiences I've, I I had as a child, as a young adult, that I'm having today. You know. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, I I moved around quite a bit, but that was not due to the military. <laughs> but uh, I was mostly uh, moving around with my mother. Mm-hmm. Uh, single mom in it back then um but yeah that definitely gave me a lot of different perspectives in a short amount of time Mm -hmm. yeah i did that too yeah and it was uh it definitely made me who i am and you talked about my (laughs) not quite true oklahoman accent right earlier and, and that's probably partially why is moving around and uh just changing scenery so much that it got me to where I just don't, I tried to just mainline my accent to where I didn't sound like any particular one thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, what part of your writing process do you think is maybe most interesting? Anything that's kind of maybe slightly left of center of the way that you, that other people write. Um, have you ever noticed anything about yourself as opposed to other writers that, that kind of, not necessarily separates you, but just makes you feel like, oh, yeah, I, I don't really do it quite like anybody else does. I, I don't know. I, I do know that I've I've never really wanted – I've never felt compelled to co-write with someone. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I have had hints and suggestions and synonyms thrown at me from my wife, uh, and and I've ended up keeping half of them, you know, for for – specific songs. Mm. Um, but I've never really had the desire to co-write because, you know, children are like kids, you know, uh, Lennon and McCartney, they had a thing going on. Um, I, I just, I, I like write writing in solitude. So, you know, to sit, um, I won't write much when, when Kay's home or, uh, you know, I just like to keep it simple. I like, I like sitting right there when I write, and I'm mm. I'm pointing to this other kitchen chair right now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I get I feel the same way. I've I've tried writing with other people, and unless you have a very very specific relationship in the way you write with that person, mm-hmm. that just seems to be a magic kind of formula. Because there are there are a couple individuals where, like, they'll write the chord progression, or I'll come up with the chord progression, but they know that I'm going to do that, and then they know that they're going to modify it. Mm-hmm to add something to it and then I'll add my words or something like that. And uh, it's just been this experimental weird co-writing process, which is a hassle. Sure. And it can be way more, it's, it adds not, not stress in a bad way, but it's more stressful to write that way for me personally. And when I'm by myself, it's a truly, it feels much more organic. It feels much more expressive. More organic, more more liberated. Yeah. You know, you get to, for better or worse, keep what you want, throw out what you don't want. Yeah, and you get to kind of disappear into your own universe. Sure. Whenever you do that. And i that's absolutely what I love to do. So if you had, we're kind of getting, we're marching towards the end of this here now. Um, if you had any kind of tips or any advice for songwriters out there that maybe you'd, that you could impart today, um, is there anything that you would tell them? 
Yeah. Um, kind of like I alluded to before, experience new things in life. Travel. Taste different foods you've never tried before. Different drinks. Um, read. You just, you just have to, you know, you have to keep up on... Um, I, I, I'm speaking from experience. I like keeping up on, uh, you know, learning a bigger vocabulary. Yeah, that's you know? very helpful. Uh, not using the same phrases over and over. Uh, just, you have to experience life, especially, and I had a, a fellow songwriter who's in his early 20s ask me these questions, and I, I, I try to be thoughtful and write them down, and... I gave him some of those some of those tips, you know. Just just try to experience new things in life. I love that. Come out of a shell. Yeah. Whenever I I do find that from time to time, like if I'm not reading mm -hmm. as much as I usually do, mm -hmm. which already is a very sparse amount. Yeah. Um, same for me. But even that small little bit, it like without it, I'll forget my vocabulary. Mm-hmm. And I'll forget words like that whenever you're writing just can come to you in a moment. Sure. Versus needing to dig in yourself to find, you know, simple but beautiful words that fit. Yeah. And as a song, as a lyricist, I find no shame in using a thesaurus. Oh, yeah. Or, you know, <laughs> a dictionary. Uh, come on, man. You know, just, just to be able to think of things on your own, sometimes you need a little, a little help, a little nudge from, you know. From the books. Well, and it's good to dig like that. If you get into a moment where you can't think of something to finish out a phrase, like I think it's it's a great break from the moment to sidetrack into, you know, oh, I'm breaking out the source so that I can make my brain change direction for a moment and then come back. Sure. And yeah. then it just seems to flow even better from that moment. Um, so let's talk about, you, you talked about Yellowknife a little bit. That's a song that they're going to be hearing today that we'll be recording after we finish this yeah. uh, mm -hmm. episode. Is there anything you would like to say more about Yellowknife itself? Um, about the song? Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, and it's, it's hard to explain to you without actually playing it, but when I first wrote it, the melody was descending mm -hmm. and I changed it to an ascending pattern. To me, it, it offered more hope. Um, it's because, like last night, I played it for at the Blue Door last night, and and I had two people walk up and say, "Man, that's an extremely sad song." <laughs> I said, "Yeah, you know, it really is. It's 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 a terribly sad song." Um, but the song is it's about a man's life starting in his childhood, and it's about him growing old, growing old alone, and mm -hmm. and missing his family, and. Um, n n I've never been a yellow knife in the Northwest Territories. I've never been to Canada. But, um, you know, I've looked it up online. It looks like a pretty cool place. Awesome. Okay. Yeah, I can't wait to hear it. Thanks. Um, I didn't get to hear it on my trek up here, so it'll, it'll be a new tune yeah, for me. Yeah, it's not been recorded yet. Okay. Well, then this will be a, a very special episode for you guys, a, a featured uh, song that you haven't heard before. Um well, shoot! Since we're marching down the end of this thing, let's talk a little bit about how people can how people can find you, how they can see you, and what is the what are the easiest ways to stay up on what you're doing? 
Is uh, you talked about you're most active on Facebook, right? I am. I'm quite active on Facebook. So if people like my music, then when I come hear me, they can just send me a friend request. Awesome. And, and uh, to find you on Facebook, just Stacy Sanders, right? Yeah, S C A C E Y. Yes. And um, I have a music page too, but you know, I do most of my stuff on on their on my personal page. You know. Uh, also, StacySandersMusic.com, and that's Stacy with a Y. E-Y. Um, you can find all my gigs listed there. And then you are also on Instagram as well. I am, but I'm not on there very often. You know, <laughs> I don't. I don't take very many worthy photos. Yeah, it's a, it's a tough. I guess I could take a picture of the next cheeseburger I eat, you know, and post it. I don't know. Hey, you would be surprised. <laughs> Whatever it takes. right? Whatever it takes. Okay, well, awesome. Um, man, well, thank you for having me up today. Absolutely. And, I'm glad uh, you. It's been a pleasure to be in your home, have some coffee, relax a little bit, record some stuff. But yeah, so you guys stick around after this episode and listen to Yellowknife. I'm excited to hear it myself. And uh, yeah, stay up to date with Stacy. I know he's he plays solos, uh, solo gigs around and just keep up with them on Facebook and uh, so we'll get started on that <laughs> right on well thanks man I really appreciate it you're welcome thank you for making the drive up oh of course thank you guys for joining us and we'll catch you next time Bitter cold and yellow knife Back in my younger years But from my back porch You can see the northern lights Fifty-one below with forge Icicles from your tears From missing on your mama In the middle of the night Well I was a drifter A ten-pan sifter Back in 1934 Breaking rocks and digging tunnels beneath the streets A tiny fleck of gold would rent me damn near any whore Who would listen to my trouble Wipe the glitter off my feet And I miss those candy-coated kisses Miss those copper curls I gladly trade the last years of my life For a cigar and a whiskey And to spend those barroom girls And to roll in the hay in a barn At the yellow night Gold gave way to diamonds back in 1991 But by then I'd spent my whole life down in the mines 
My liver full of Yukon Jack With coal dust in my lungs By then I'd become a stranger Changing of these times And I miss those candy-coated kisses I miss those copper curls Gladly trade the last years of my life For a cigar and a whiskey and a spoon of those barroom girls And a roll in the hay in a barn of the yellow knife Yeah, yeah, Stuck me in this old folks' home Way down here in Calgary My children and their children They left me here They locked me up with ticking clocks Just to keep me company But I'm going back to yelling night Damn this rocking chair And I miss those candy-coated kisses Miss those copper curls I gladly trade the last years of my life For a cigar and a whiskey and to spank those barroom girls And a roll in the hay in a barn of a yellow knife Mighty cold up in Yellowknife In January, dear But from our back porch You can see those northern lights